0: Hello and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode 101, Ring of Fire. Burning Ring of Fire. Yes. And also saying it as episode 101 makes it feel like we're doing like a primer on something. Oh,
1: yeah. This is like the 101 on Ring of Fire. Yes. That's not what this is. This is the 101 on going down a burning ring of fire yes (laughs) but we're taking it more as characters that are crossing to the dark side with their actions yes that maybe something spurred them over there what is it
0: about this song that appealed to you
1: i just i have always liked this song i've always loved johnny cash yes i do and i just every once in a while this song pops up in my playlist and i love it and
0: it was written by june carter cash yeah
1: it's just even better going down in a burning ring of fire
0: yeah Set to a pleasant melody that you don't think is about going into a ring of fire. No. But it is. It is.
1: It Mm. is. Another one of my favorite Johnny Cash songs is God Will Cut You Down. That's an intense one. It's so intense. Yeah.
0: Did you know that like he obviously he covered Hurt by Nine Inch Nails Mm -hmm. and Trent Reznor has gone on record saying like that is no longer my song. Like that's like he did it in such a way that it's become defined by Johnny Cash.
1: Yeah. It's fair.
0: It's fair. I don't fully agree. But, no,
1: yeah. I, I wouldn't There's think There's two so. versions of the song. Yeah. Yes. And two things Each can be true at once. They're yes, both Yes, they amazing. can, Aaron. Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: Well, thinking about Ring of Fire. Yes. Going down into that Ring of Fire. Yeah. Going dark, you might say. Or Breaking Bad.
1: Breaking Bad. Which
0: I didn't know was a saying until five minutes ago. <laughs> when you informed me that it was and not just the name of a show. Right. So... Do you think that Mm -hmm. all
1: people have the potential to, quote unquote, break Break. bad? I do. I think that there's a fine line because I, okay, so the whole idea of Breaking Bad is that if you do one thing that's illegal or morally reprehensible, you're only a few steps away from just all chaos breaking Mm -hmm. loose, which if you've seen the show Breaking Bad is sort of the whole premise. Like he does one thing in an effort to save his family and pretty soon he's a, you know, multi-state criminal.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So, yes, I do think that everyone has the potential to do it, but I think that not everyone has the right circumstances or moments. Like, I think everything sort of has to hit at once or be a little bit of a powder keg for Mm. a true Breaking Bad moment Mm. where, like, you're gone and there's no coming back. Right. But I think everybody does things that they know are crossing the line. Agreed. Given the situation. I mean, everybody gets put in those situations. But I don't think that necessarily means that everything about you From this point forward is terrible And you're only ever going to commit crimes
0: Mm -hmm. So if you were to say Shoplift some lipstick At the local drug mart Uh huh Does that mean you've gone Breaking Bad? I don't think so. Okay. So you're not going to start murdering people the next day? I
1: don't think so. I think think it needs to be darker. I think it needs to be a little bit. Yeah. I think you need to up the ante a little. Like, I think it maybe if you did that consistently, even when you didn't need to, Mm -hmm. now you're starting to slip into. Oh, you're starting a pattern. That's true.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: I think you need a pattern and not just like a situational thing.
0: Okay. All right. Just testing the waters of like what illegal stuff I could do before I go full break bad.
1: Right, right. Did you shoplift this week? No. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Okay.
0: <laughs> Listen, I don't leave the house that much, so no. Right, okay, I got to right. pay for everything online. There's no shoplifting online. That's true. That's a good point. It is a good point. I wonder if shoplifting figures have gone down. Yeah. Over the pandemic. Uh
1: huh. Huh.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting question.
1: It is a good. That's st- statisticians out there. <laughs> If you know the answer with those numbers, we'd love to hear the shoplifting numbers. Have you ever shoplifted in your life?
0: No, I haven't. I remember as a kid, like wanting to and then feeling such immediate shame and guilt and terror that I'd be caught that I never did. Yeah. No.
1: I did accidentally. Accidentally? Yeah. I, I don't even know why this is like a thing that occurred to me, like... What happened, but I loved um, pants with pockets when I was little, like younger, like not like elementary. I just always liked being able to carry something. I mean, yeah, and I was in Claire's. Do you remember Claire's? Oh, I like had yeah, all the jewelry, Claire's. and I was like, Oh, I really like this set. I'm gonna hold on to this one because and see what else there is. But this might be the one I buy. Mm-hmm. Subconsciously, didn't even think about it, put it in my pocket. Okay move on, don't buy anything, leave with my parents or in the next store. I reach in my pocket. I'm like, oh,
0: <laughs> did you feel then immediate like, oh, my God, look what I got away with. No, I took it back. Oh, OK. Because
1: <laughs> I made. I mean, I probably wouldn't have except that I pulled it out. My mom saw it. And she's like, what uh, happened? And I'm like, yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah, mean yeah. to. Yeah. And then I had to go back and give it back to him. And that doesn't sound like a plausible thing. Like, no, I it didn't doesn't. mean to put it in my pocket. Right. Yeah. I wasn't thinking because, like, you when you're like shopping, a- you should never be putting things in your no, pocket. No, you shouldn't. Yeah. Put them in a cart. But I don't think Claire's had the little baskets at that I don't time. I think they did. No.
0: Surprised more youths didn't shoplift. I'm yeah. sure there was a lot.
1: And in my mind, it was this big red mark. You know, I of remember course. thinking about it. But then I remember, I, now that I look back, it was probably some teenager that was like, Okay, put it back on the rack. (laughs) I don't care, you weirdo. Probably like, you could have got
0: away with this. Why'd you come back in here with your mom?
1: Yeah, now this got weird. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think I accidentally shoplifted some Diet Pepsi from Target not too long ago. Oh. (laughs) By which I mean I forgot to uh, take it across the self-checkout and just walked outside with it. And then I was like, well, I got free Pepsi.
1: It happens. Yeah. It has. That happens. So
0: I guess I have shoplifted. I am a hardened criminal you now.
1: You are. You are a step away Diet from... Diet Pepsi, a you life.
0: turned me into a criminal. <laughs>
1: Diet Pepsi. <laughs> of, all <laughs> of all the things. Of all the things. That's probably why I got away with it. Because like, who's taking a Diet Pepsi? <laughs> we need like, to keep the liquor is that still locked a up. a thing? Why are you taking that? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that even good? Has that been in the shelf too long? <laughs> Just let her have it. It's fine. <laughs> okay. So, have you ever remained calm? And then later wish that you let all of your anger out.
0: I think there's the answer is yes. Uh I think there's a lot of moments. But the first one that came to my mind was when I was groped on the CTA train. Oh, yeah. It was during a commute. Mm -hmm. And in Chicago, during the commute hours, we're talking like squeezed together against strangers. Mm -mm. A Mm -mm. lot of contact Mm -mm. with people that you don't know. Mm -mm. And you just get used to this. Mm -hmm. You get used to sweaty Or coated bodies just at every single side of you and still having to hold on to the pole so that you don't fall. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's always a gross experience. Yeah. But one day during one of those like very close, like lots of bodies around, there was like somebody behind me that it felt like they were trying to get a little more, you know, space or movement. So I kind of shifted, like trying to be a good commuting citizen. Right. Turned out that was exactly what he wanted because no. then he was able to get his hand right on my genitalia. <gasps> and I froze because I did, because you're used to so much touching around. Yes. Like I didn't quite realize at first like wait what there's a whoa there's a hand. There's a hand that hand doesn't belong there. And we came up to a stop right at the moment where I realized what the fuck. And this guy, like he, I think he realized that I had, pay- I was paying attention now. So he got off at the stop. And I remember like turning around and making eye contact with him on the platform. I'm still on the train, just frozen, like thinking like, what do I do? What? What? And I think he had sort of a little smile on his face and then the doors closed and then we took off. And I was still like for a good, like the rest of the train ride, Oh probably my gosh, the rest yeah. of the walk home, just like. Completely like Did that just happen And it was only Much later That the rage came out And I was like Oh my god Yeah Audacity And also He's probably doing that To so many women Day in and day out Day in and day out And sometimes He gets away with it Because you're so Smushed together Yeah So yeah I remained calm And I wish that I hadn't I understand I wished I was You know I had got off On that train platform And smacked him in the
1: face Wow But I didn't See, and that's probably that's an example of Breaking Bad. He probably started out and he got a little. He probably, he probably did. accidentally got a little boob grab, he and did. then he was like, "Oh, you know what I could do? Yeah, I could take this to the next he was level." Also
0: using like he had a messenger bag, and he was using that to sort of get between the legs, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so that he could have like room and leverage. My gosh! So he was practiced at this. That's I'm sorry. That that's would have terrible. been a moment if I had been more like. Uh, if I'd been more aware and brave that I could have broken bad. I could have yes. gone after him yes. and that could have broken me and I could have gone into a life of vengeance and crime. Vigilante. Vigilanteism. You're right. Which would have been sad. But I think
1: your reaction is completely relatable. Like just complete shock. Like you don't have time. That's the yeah. problem, right? That's why people that are really daring a lot of times get yes. away with stuff because yeah. everyone else is so shocked it takes too long to recover. Yes.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had the element of shock and surprise in his side.
1: Going with it.
0: Yeah. And Ah, went with it. Ah. So that was very disgusting and gross.
1: I'm sorry that that happened to you. I wish that I had
0: done something out of character for me, which would have been smacking him in the face. Yeah. Have you ever done something that was completely out of character and afterwards you didn't recognize yourself?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was young. I was little. Ooh. Younger. I mean, I had a friend in our neighborhood and I, I truly, I do not know what possessed us. I'd have no idea. It was just a really weird moment. But it had been like raining a lot and there was a neighbor in between on the other side of her house and he wasn't very friendly. He was like, he'd yell at people and oh, he was kind of mean. you talking about this guy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we, we took mud and like painted the front of his garage. Like we didn't <laughs> write anything. We just smeared mud all over it. I mean... Like a lot of mud. At least in my head, it was a lot of mud, right? Okay, so after I did it, and we both were like, ah! and then we like, she went home and I went home and I was like, oh God, oh no, mm-hmm. what have I done? Mm-hmm. And I was like calculating, could I get my hose down there and hose it off? Like, how am I gonna <laughs> fix this? Like, my parents are gonna be so mad. Like, what he's gonna know is me. Like, someone saw us, I bet. Like, what? And there was mud because it had been raining. And I remember my parents, we were getting in the car to go somewhere and I was like, like freaking out driving by there and it was all washed off because of it was it raining was. and i was like oh okay but i those that hour between when i yeah. did it and when we left again i was i thought for sure i was going to juvie yep i mean i was yeah, i mean like i was eight or nine you know yep, I was young, but, but that's
0: what people go to juvie for yes i was like why on did on we do that doors, yeah. and
1: even the next day when i saw my friend i was like why did we do that she's like i don't know i don't know <laughs> so we, she was wrecked with guilt too yeah we were both like we're the worst Mm-hmm. And so then we were went out of our way to be nice to him, which is probably more alarming. Probably, like we'd be like, "Hello!" Every time we saw him, and like, wave, <laughs> like, "Nice to see you!" Like our nine year old version of being a good neighbor. Like, we that can't do me anything, of, but
0: uh, hyperbole and a half. And when she was real weird with the neighbor, and like got like started stalking the neighbor yeah. and getting into the neighbor's. That was like your behavior. She's
1: yeah. Like, Hi! Hello. Like he's like, no, I don't want that. No, I don't either. want any part of this. I keep painting my garage. Nope. I don't want this. <laughs> With mud. I mean, what is wrong? With-
0: I while you were describing that, I kept picturing him in my head, just watching you out the windows, like, "What the fuck are yeah, these kids doing?"
1: I know. Seriously. Yeah. Why are you doing this? It's raining. It's raining. It's, rainy, gonna it's not gonna. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Whatever, man. whatever. Yeah. And now they're being weird and saying hi to me every day, <laughs> like the two twins out of The Shining, just standing at the end of my driveway. <laughs> Hello. Can we help you? Hello. <laughs> like what? No. Very alarming. Get out of my yeah. yard. <laughs> yeah. Well. If you're listening, old neighbor. <laughs> You've <laughs> tracked me all these years. You have my K- full apology.
0: Yeah, <laughs> i want to keep an eye on that kid. who's putting mud on my garage. Yeah, she's
1: going <laughs> for the next thirty years. Because <laughs> one day, even though podcasts aren't a thing yet, I, I know that's gonna happen. She's gonna have a podcast, uh-huh. and it's gonna be about books. Yeah, and at some point, probably around she's the gonna episode one hundred and one, I'm gonna in it for the and long it'll haul. Be a moment. Yes, finally, I could be. <laughs> justified
0: we'll get some fan mail yeah b- but it'll be electronic and it'll yes. just be like that was me
1: that was me yeah. i played it for my whole family at thanksgiving because they never believed my story that you painted my garage door they told me to quit picking on the nice neighborhood girl They told me
0: 30 years is too long to fixate on this but look at now look at but me now it all paid off yeah that's
1: right. Good for you, sir. Good for you. And I you. tricked you into being a fan because you had to listen for a hundred and one episodes. So maybe I did I had break to bad. Wait, decades for the podcast to start. Maybe I really am an evil genius. Maybe you are. this really played out well for me. Oh man, in this hypothetical situation Absolutely. with this yeah. imaginary guy, just this uh, torture, mental torture. He's been killing himself for years. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry. You've been the puppet master, manipulating yeah. the whole time.
1: And also, keeping in mind there were eight or nine, we didn't reach very high on the garage. No, I'm imagining it's just like the bottom part of the... Yeah, yeah, so looking back, it probably just looked like rain splatter. Yeah. But man, those few moments where I thought we did something really wrong, I was sure. I thought you were... I was like, front page news. (laughs) (laughs) It's bad. (laughs) All right, well. So thinking about characters that break bad. Yeah. A lot of times... They're the villain in something. Mm -hmm. So if you had a part in an epic adventure movie, would you rather be the villain or the hero? The
0: villain, 100%. Wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, they get to wear the best clothes. Yes. They get to say the best lines. Very true. When they're women villains, they get to say the things that we always want to say.
1: Very true. Yeah.
0: So yeah, it would be... uh, Marvel, come on, bring me in. I am not an actress, but I could be this villain. I will do it. I will make it happen.
1: (laughs) I agree with you. It just seems great, especially with all the movies that have been coming out lately, like kind of the backstory, like Cruella and some of those. Yes.
0: And they look like the actors are having so much fun playing them. And I'm thinking all the villains, like in the Marvel movies in particular, everyone who plays a villain looks like they are having the best freaking time. Yeah. And in Thor Ragnarok, especially, Kate Blanchett plays the villain. Oh yeah. She
1: she just goes balls out. It is hilarious. Yeah. And glorious. Wonderful. I'm
0: I was there. thinking of
1: Kristen Wiig playing both <gasps> both a hero and a villain. And Barbara and Starr go to Vista Del Mar.
0: The super villain who's afraid of commitment.
1: Yeah. She doesn't want to make an official relationship with Jamie Dornan. Yeah. Which, okay. Listen,
0: you're a villain. You get to have official relationships with whoever you want. Go for Jamie Dornan. Yeah.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Jesus. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) Well, I can tell you that our picks this week broke some bad.
0: Yes. And again, I was only aware of this saying in the last 10 minutes and we're using it a lot and I like it. Yeah, this is how we do we're it. We're
1: gonna we're gonna work it in. Yes, <laughs> quite a bit, as we do. We, we do. fixate on something and say <laughs> it again and again, and that's our magic. Yeah, <laughs> welcome to our <laughs> podcast.
0: So, my fiction pick is one you've read as well. Animal. I
1: almost picked this as well, by Lisa Tadeo, oh, and so it came good. out this summer. Mm-hmm.
0: And Joan is the main character, and we meet Joan right away after she's fleeing New York mm-hmm. because. The man she was having an affair with, who was also her boss, kills himself in front of her at a restaurant in broad day, nightlight. I don't remember well, when. She's on I mean. another date. while well, she's on another date. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So this is, a, this is a traumatic experience. Very. And she runs. She runs to L.A. where she's renting a house up in the hills. A house with no A.C., by the way, in this very hot desert type environment. Well, to be fair, it
1: could have A.C. Just the oh, old... That's right guy that runs the place has decided that it can't yes yes that sounds right yeah
0: she is looking for in la she's looking for someone named alice and we find out who she is eventually but uh, we do know that she's this sort of like yoga instructor she seems to be perfect like Mm -hmm. this perfect instagram influencer type person you know you have one in mind that's who alice is Mm -hmm. but alice and joan also like have this deep Connection, which is interesting. So while she's seeking out Alice, Joan is also dissecting a couple of things. She's trying to figure out, like, why she goes after the men she does, why men are just assholes, mm-hmm. and why she's haunted from something by her past that has haunted her entire life. So she's forging this strange, sort of competitive, sort of flirting relationship with this woman, Alice. And at the same time, the daughter of the man who killed himself is seeking her out and won't leave. hmm Like, comes to the house and basically just sets up shop. And the men in her neighborhood prove themselves to be strange, creepy, mm-hmm. dangerous. Mm-hmm. I can't really say much more than that because no. there's some wild twists and turns. This, this is written in such a primal and visceral way. Mm-hmm. It's it's shocking and it's not shocking at the same time. And I chose it for this theme because I think for most of the book, Joan considers herself a woman who is doing what she needs to do to live in a male-dominated world. Yeah, She sleeps with men. She manipulates men, especially married men, mm-hmm. because that helps her get what she wants.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she as a matter of course, then just sort of deals with their casual cruelty, especially these men that are doing things outside of marriage. They're not treating her like a full human being. And Mm -hmm. so this is the thing that she's getting used to. But at some point, her anger is taking over. Anger at men, anger at the world, anger at herself. And, you know, she says right away in the book that she's depraved. Mm -hmm. And she admits it, she accepts it. She knows there's a darkness in her and she tries, you know, we're trying to think like, what do we do with that darkness? And uh, there is some violence in the book as a result of that. And here's the thing. What I really love about this book, besides the fact that it takes this character that we, she admits that she's depraved. She's doing things she's not supposed to do. She makes, there's no attempt to make Joan a likable character. Mm-hmm. She is who she is. There's a bit of darkness in in her and that's a little bit dark in and of itself taking this person who by all rights shouldn't be the heroine of this story right and making her the heroine of the story and it's a really fascinating look at a particular woman but a woman that you're also going to recognize too yeah yeah what would you add you've read it too
1: no i think that you hit it perfectly and that's why i almost picked it for this too because there's some actions that you're like that's not you know, mm-hmm. you know she shouldn't do or you know are gonna go bad, but you also recognize that we all get there. Mm-hmm. So it kinda goes to that question of whether everyone has the potential to do that. And yeah. I think yeah, the right set of circumstances absolutely and the right amount of time just can push you into something that you don't quite recognize. Mm-hmm.
0: And I love that she names it animal because yes. it's a reminder that we are just animals. Mm-hmm. We pride ourselves on being so much more evolved than animals. But no, we are primal beings mm-hmm. and we have all of these urges. And just because society tells us that we shouldn't do certain things, they're still there. The yeah. darkness is still there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So a really rich book. Um, Very. it's yeah, it's going to it's gonna knock your sacks off.
1: Your socks are off.
0: They're going to be knacked off. They're going to be. I don't know. I went into room. a weird accent there, but that's to. what <laughs> it's happened. <like>
1: okay. <laughs> it was like a weird, yeah. New
0: York Boston accent. It's like when
1: Casey Affleck tries to do an accent. That's what it reminded <laughs> me of. It's you know, knock your socks. Nah, I can't even do it, but knock your socks off. Knack yeah. your socks off. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah,
0: don't know what it is, but yeah, I've given it to the world now.
1: I think they appreciate it. Mm-hmm. They should hold on to it. Yeah, I think so. Well, I picked a book that has a somewhat similar character in a lot of ways to Animal. This is called White Ivy by Susie Lang, and it was published in November of 2020. Ivy Lin is the child of Chinese immigrants, um, and they want to help her achieve the life that they didn't have. So her mother, is, in particular, is very strong-willed and very specific about what Ivy can and can't do. They live in a very modest home outside of Boston, and... At the direction of her maternal grandmother, she learns to get the things that she wants by lying and stealing. Mm. She becomes incredibly adept at shoplifting. She becomes very good at scamming systems because grandma moves in with them and figures out pretty quickly how to take advantage of people to to have them have more. So eventually, because the parents can sort of see this is going down a bad path and they don't like one of the friends that Ivy has, they force her to go to a private school. And her father works there, which is why they're allowed this luxury that they can afford it, because normally they wouldn't be able to. But she pretty quickly realizes she's not like the other students. Everything that she wants, she has to get on her own. And even then sometimes her mom says, no, you can't have it. Yeah. Because she's trying to teach her some lessons. Nothing is getting handed to her. And she's having the experience that all of her classmates aren't living in that same mm-hmm. reality. So we sort of follow her through high school. Some traumatic events happen where she gets embarrassed by her family. Her family freaks out, thinks that she's going down the wrong path. So they send her back with some relatives in China for the summer. Oh, boy. So she experiences a whole different culture for a period of time. They come back. They end up moving. Fast forward. She's graduated college. And she has a job as a teacher. And she has a chance encounter with an old classmate's sister. And it sends her into a tailspin of what she considers fate. Because she had this crush on this guy, Gideon. She runs into his sister. His sister's like, hey, I'm having a party. You should come. Gideon's going to be there. And from then, they're dating. And it seems like everything's right. But it's proving a little bit more difficult than Ivy can imagine. Because pretending to be someone that you're not, Mm -hmm. or living life experiences that you didn't actually have, is really difficult, especially in terms of keeping up with the relationship. And in the middle of the relationship, a blast from her past kind of threatens to destroy everything and expose her for what she really is. Because she's made Gideon think that she's a certain type of person. Oh, boy. And she's really afraid for that facade to crack. So I can't say much more because it gets really twisty and dark. But I can tell you it's the sort of same idea where you're following this person and you're rooting for her. But in terms of a traditional heroine, it's not. I mean, you very much disagree with a lot of the action she's taking. And some of the time you think... Oh, you're just in your own way like you're mm-hmm. not seeing what would really make you happy or or what would be fulfilling and you're going after this thing that doesn't actually exist mm-hmm. so as the reader you kind of have this experience the whole time of being on the outside and like wanting to shake them like wake up like this is going to end so bad and it ends in a lot of bad ways <laughs> so I picked for this theme obviously because the character is really dark but in that like really good conflicted yeah. like we can all relate to that mm-hmm. kind of way and that That kind of one-track mind of like, no, this is what I have to do. This is the path. And I love the way that the author chose to write this book because we get a really good picture of her entire life. So you can see everything that led up to where she is now you know you're not left to guess like oh did something in her childhood help create this you kind of know the cornerstones and you know the foundation she was built on so it all sort of flows and makes sense to you even though some of her actions are completely outlandish mm-hmm. so i i loved it i thought it was great it's got some mystery element to it but it's also really fast-paced and relatable yeah in a dark way so
0: that sounds terrific. Yeah. It also made me think about the fact that as much as we try to tell ourselves to s- do the right thing and stay on the right path and whatever, we are constantly like loving and revering people that don't. Mm-hmm. We're revering villains or we're turning them into like folk heroes. I was thinking the other day, I saw a show that had someone playing Al Capone, yeah. and it reminded me of how much in the 20s and 30s. Even though he was a brutal killer, the city of Chicago loved him mm-hmm. and, like, put him up as, like, this huge folk hero, like I said. Or even, you know, like, back in the past, of course, or the, uh, you know, mythological past, like Robin Hood, those kinds of characters. Yeah. What do you think it is about the people that don't do the right thing that we love so much?
1: Well, I think there's a duality there. I think one that you hit on, it's sort of like getting to watch somebody do the things you wish you yeah. could do. But I also think it's sort of falls in that line with why we like true crime because we all do have the potential to break bad and the reality is we all do things that aren't right Mm -hmm. or we've all done things that you know people would have judgments about and so watching someone else sort of gives you a comfort like either a i'm not that bad (laughs) or b you know this it sort of happens to everyone right yeah. It's easier to relate, honestly, to a villain than it, it is really a hero. It
0: is because it feels like sometimes the villains at least are showing some of their true selves mm-hmm. or they're showing some of the conflict or, you know, they're not pretending to be something that they're not.
1: And a hero, you're made to feel like you're less than. But a villain automatically set up to be like, well, I'm better than that person. Yeah. So it's more interesting because you almost have this ability to look down on them mm-hmm. instead of being like, well, I'm never going to reach that status. I yeah. can be a hero. And then there is a
0: level of like, you know, thinking about crime, like shoplifting, like the character Mm -hmm. there. There's like a level of like petty crime that I think you can get behind a lot more. Yeah,
1: right. It has a mystique to it. Yeah, and you totally get wrapped up in this in this book because the things that they're stealing are like clothes from goodwill. And so there's some (laughs) part of you that's sort of like, you know, okay, yeah, that's not right. But also, yeah. But then when you see that played out, into her as an adult where you mm-hmm. see some of those values that maybe she doesn't see the lines. But the author also does this thing where she puts other characters in there that do things that aren't technically wrong, but you're like, that's gross. Oh. But nobody calls that type of stuff out. Like, okay, gr- yeah, you shouldn't steal from goodwill, but I would say that the mom on Instagram who's lying and saying she's a size two and everything in her life <laughs> is perfect is doing a hell of a lot more damage yes. than that one sweater you took from goodwill. Absolutely. But... In most people's eyes, we would say over here. Yeah, is we would worse. look down on that. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. it's a twisted world we live in. Complex and, complex. and complicated. It's a ring of fire. <laughs> it's all <like> going to burn.
0: <laughs> well, for my other genre book, yes, um, I chose what is—it's technically a novel, but it's so strange. And it's written by a musician, so I wanted to use it in this other genre. Right. right? It's called Wolf in White Van. And this is by John Darnielle, who is the lead singer and uh, main person behind the band called The Mountain Goats. And this came out in 2014. So we meet Sean right away, and he is a man with a disfigured face. And that has marked his entire life. We don't learn the particulars of what happened. Mm -hmm. We know it's an accident, but we do know – And there was a gun, and it was self-inflicted when he was 17. Mm -hmm. And so he's dealing with the aftermath for a good portion of this in the hospital. And after he's had all these painful surgeries, it's just a general level of pain that he has to get used to and readapting to life like he can't walk for a while all sorts of things are wrong Mm -hmm. while this whole recovery is taking place he comes up with this idea for a game it's a mail-in adventure game almost like a choose your own adventure type thing Mm -hmm. called Trace Italian and Trace Italian is set in a post-apocalyptic world where you're trying to get to this underground base in the middle of nowhere in Kansas so this game It's this really addictive game for a number of people. It doesn't get super huge, but there's some really super fans that get involved in this. And then we learn that two fans in particular named Lance and Carrie, they take it too far because they go into Kansas. They go into the middle of nowhere, Kansas, in a very cold night looking for this underground base. And they end up one of them dies and one of them has severe injuries as a result. So a court case ensues. Uh Is he responsible? And it delves into like, wait a second, you have this weird face and you did this really dark thing and now you're creating this dark game. What is going on here? The book jumps around in time, but you get a sense as you're reading that you're sort of moving generally back in time until you find him at the very end on the day of the event and you find out more about what happened. It's such a strange book. It's a haunting book. It really dives deep into one person's mind and this young man who, before the accident, he was sort of obsessive and strange anyway, and he found a way to turn that obsession and that strangeness into a place for other misfits Mm -hmm. to find a home, too. I chose it for this theme because there's this pervading sense of darkness all throughout, and you get hints that like there's something really off here with Sean, with this game, but there's also the sense that this is in all of us, mm-hmm. that if we just dug a little little bit, we would find this darkness mm-hmm. in all of us. With Sean, for example, he says repeatedly, like people will sometimes ask him, like, why did you do this? Why did you do this to yourself? And mm-hmm. he's like, honestly, I don't know. I just did it. With Lance and Carrie, the two people that got hurt, who put themselves in danger, there were a lot of questions from the parents who started the court case. Like, why would they do this? And there's no clear answers. Mm-hmm. There's just this weird sort of, dark stuff. There's a lot to say here in the book about our culture, like why we love things like Conan the Barbarian, which has a lot of uh, play, which is really interesting. And these uber violent stories, why we're obsessed with apocalypses, why we're obsessed with the idea of demons and Satan, uh, like taking us over through rock songs. There's this whole show that he watches where it's these people that are trying to play records backwards to find the Mm -hmm. words within, right? Right. I think overall, like I said, this book is saying that we all have this great capacity for darkness and we don't really understand it. And some of us ascribe it to hell or to sin or to the devil when really it just might be who we are and it might just be us. And we can turn that darkness against others. We can turn it against ourselves or we can keep it hidden for a little while. Wow. It's like I just finished it last night and I've still been mulling over it and just mulling over it and thinking like I might do what you do and read it again.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's such there's these strange scenes that
1: you can't quite put into words why they're so haunting. Yeah. But they're there. But that, I think you, you hit on something, though, that's also true about the kind of Breaking Bad, Ring of Fire, villain-type situations, is that we always want clear-cut answers. Always. And so very rarely in things that are tragedies or terribleness are there clear-cut answers. yes We want some, and usually we want an answer because we want to be able to blame someone. Mm-hmm. Not ourselves, somebody else. Absolutely. And so when we can't clearly do that, I think as humans, sometimes we just lose it. We're like, there has to be a reason that this happened.
0: And I think even that need for blame mm-hmm. shows us that we need to we need to see things in black and white. We need to see good versus evil. We need to yeah. see like cause and effect. And the world just doesn't work that no. way. We don't work that way. Mm-mm. No. And I think it explains a lot of our weird behavior.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Ooh.
0: But also that whole scene of, you know, playing the records backwards. It just, it felt like such a strong image for this entire book that we're searching so hard for answers to why people do the things that we do, that all these adults had convinced themselves that, oh, kids are listening to Satan. Yeah. listening to the records Did backwards. Did you remember that when you were younger, oh, yeah. though? That, that yeah. was
1: like a thing for a while. Like, oh, if you listen to their secret messages and mm-hmm. it's, yeah. And
0: he... He gets this on like a late at night, like public access show, and it feels I mean, he's not that much older than us, so it yeah. felt very much of our time, yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's really good. Wow. In fact, the words wolf and white van are supposedly what you hear when you play a record backwards. Oh. And so then he goes on this whole thing, like, why is that image so terrifying? Like, what is it? Because there's something really weird there, and also, is the wolf in the back, is the wolf driving, what is this? Where's name? the wolf? <laughs> yeah,
1: and white vans conjure a thing.
0: It really for a does. long time yeah it, and I think that was intentional too because mm-hmm. this is sort of set in the 80s and that yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100% yeah Whew.
1: well I um, picked a book too that's also technically a novel technically fiction for other genre but I, I picked it for other genre because the structure is, is much much different than a normal novel it's called Kill Redacted so like there's supposed to be a name there but then it just says parentheses redacted oh yes so this was released in 2019. Let me just tell you, it's a doozy. Okay. So the redacted theme goes throughout. Whenever this person's name gets mentioned, it's redacted. Oh. okay And it, it's, uh, I picked it for other structure because it's a series of diary entries, okay. essentially. It's okay. um, this guy, Michael, who lost his wife in a terrorist attack in a train in London. And he was previously the like principal superintendent of a school. And he starts going to therapy after this to try and deal with it. And one of the first pa- things that the therapist assigns him is some homework to start writing down the answers to these questions for that he's supposed to bring to therapy. Because he's not very open. He's not very willing mm. to talk. So he does that. And she immediately stops that practice because she doesn't think he's doing it right. She's like, no, this isn't what I meant. But he keeps doing it for himself because he's sort of finding things out. And this is how we get the story of his life about what happened with his wife and that he plans to kill this person that he holds responsible for the death. And it's not the person that planted the bomb. It's not the person that created the bomb. It's the politician that inspired this kind of dedication and crazy action man so the whole book is him sort of justifying it to us and as a reader you sort of get caught up in it like yeah that makes sense that it's sort of this manifesto of why he needs to do it and he wants to keep explaining like no you need to understand that i've never been like this before this is a new thing and this is what i think about it this is why it's important but the whole time there's bits of it that are redacted kind of like almost like it's a
0: like a classified document yes yeah yeah.
1: so it really amps up the intrigue and just the way it was written was very different than anything I've read it's Mm -hmm. it's got a lot there's almost kind of a density to it um, but then also this very relatable easy sort of surface level feeling you've lost someone you love yeah and you want revenge Mm -hmm. and that's completely relatable but then it sort of gets bogged down in this moral question of like is murder ever okay like because he's kind of making a good case here Mm -hmm. for saving the rest of humankind so is that okay or is this just a crazy guy that figured out a way to justify his actions Mm -hmm. and you as the reader are kind of always on the edge of that because you're following along and you're following this narrator who you start to understand and know better and you kind of want to see it's yeah it is really different than anything i've read recently um, i really enjoyed it like i said there's a density to it it took me a long time to read it okay. like i kind of read it in bits and pieces i read other things at the same time i don't think it's the type of book that you sit down and just devour mm-hmm. i think it kind of has that like slow simmering like it just sort of builds gradually kind of like a good sauce you know you know what <laughs> <"Let's> simmer <laughs>
0: A, I love the fact that you made a cooking analogy, and right. we know that how you feel about cooking. Right. It's not your favorite thing. No. And B, that you went for
1: sauce. I went for sauce. because I don't know why, but that makes me giggle. You know why it's <laughs> sauce? Because this is something... Because I buy jar spaghetti sauce, but yeah. any person cooking show blog, anything you read is like you gotta make your own yes! sauce. It's Which, easy. I, it's no, it's easy. Not. But then you're supposed to let these flavors develop. I'm it's supposed not. to have layers of flavor. How do I even get flavor? Much less layer. It. Yeah,
0: I don't. I don't get. It's it. supposed to
1: be simmering for days. Italians have sauce for months. So I don't even know. Mm-mm. So that's what it reminded me of. It's sort of like it builds hmm. like a sauce. Well, that makes
0: more sense cuz I had no idea that you were supposed to like just let sauces simmer for months. Certain ones, I think. I don't know if it's
1: actually months. Don't okay. do that. That might actually give you food poisoning. <laughs> Because I, it's like you, time.
0: like to just buy sauces out of cans. Yeah. Because, boom, yeah. there it is.
1: Mike no. has, which he's actually making today, so it also made me think of that. He has this soup that he makes that it simmers all day before it's ready. He, like, adds flavors at different points in the process. Okay, stop it, Mike. I know. Yeah. And I'm like, cool, I open this Progresso can. Who wants it. <laughs>
0: I love when Mike takes over some of the cooking, but I hate it, too, because he just shows you up. He shows me up. I don't understand. It's just out of nowhere. Yeah. And then
1: today I asked him, where did you get this recipe? And he's like, I don't know. I just liked the soup. I had it somewhere. So I started thinking about what must be in it. Screw you. And I perfected it over time. And I was like, oh, cool. Do you want a grilled cheese? Because I can make that. (laughs) I perfected that over time. Super good at toasting bagels. (laughs) I love Mike and I hate him at the same time. I know. It's infuriating. Yeah. It's okay. You can be infuriated. I am. I am. Yeah. But he redacted. redact <laughs> it. Great. <laughs> <laughs> to lay on the plane. To lay on that plane. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it made me think about, it. it is such an interesting question about vigilantism Mm -hmm. too because that's another type of crime that we're so obsessed with. There's so many movies about, there's so many books about because it feels so
1: relatable. It does, yeah. And it
0: is such an interesting question. Like, is it ever justified or have you like gone over the threshold and now you're just a bad person? Right.
1: And it's weird in this book because you relate to him, but then also if you take a step back and look at it, you're like, oh, this guy's on the edge.
0: Yeah. Like he's losing his mind. Like he's, this is going deep. Or let's say you know you you take the revenge on the one person then are you able to stop or are you now right are you just a killer and now now you have to bring the fire
1: (laughs) burning everything to the ground burn it all
0: I don't know I think that's the gateway to a lot of crime it is going vigilante
1: right yeah yeah it's different it's wild
0: yeah it sounds good it is it was yeah. yeah and the idea of anything redacted just makes me curious as hell
1: that's what it is yeah. right off the gate you're like wait what? Like, wait
0: you're refusing to tell me something i want to know what it is
1: i when i heard about this book and i i'm sorry i'm not going to remember where i think somebody mentioned in an interview or something in writing and i saw the way you have to write it even in an interview, oh, it yeah. made it seem like it was redacted oh. and i was like wait a minute what and then i looked up the book and i realized and then the Spots in the and I was like, oh, I'm in. I got totally I got to find a copy of this book. Oh my God. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, my pop culture pick has nothing to do with Redacted. Okay, good. It has a lot to do with what we're talking about, but it's a hard pivot from pivot. Yeah, from what you were just talking about. It is a show called Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Aaron is mm-hmm. nodding because mm-hmm. I have been watching this nonstop mm-hmm. for a couple months because mm-hmm. that's where my head's been at. Mm-hmm. So Once Upon a Time, it started in 2011, mm-hmm. aired for six seasons. There's actually a seventh season. I didn't watch it because it was new characters. I didn't want any part of it. Garbage. It's all on Disney Plus. <laughs> OK. OK. So Emma is the main character. Mm-hmm. She is a loner. She lives in Boston and she is a pretty badass bail bonds person. Um, she was abandoned as a baby, uh, just on the side of the road, and grew up in foster homes and on s- the streets. And on her 28th birthday, she's blowing out a candle in her apartment alone when there's a knock on the door. And outside the door is a 10-year-old boy. His name is Henry. And he says he is the, ge- the kid that she gave up for adoption 10 years ago when she was in prison. And he says, you have to come back with me to my hometown, Storybrook, and break a curse. Huh? But according to Henry, Storybrooke in Maine is made up of fairy tale and storybook characters who don't remember who they are. They've been cursed by this lack of memory. Time is also stopped there, all due to this curse from the Evil Queen, who is also Henry's adopted mother. Ah. Emma, he says, is the child of Snow White and Prince Charming, and she was born for one reason to break this curse. Oh. So she's like, okay, kid, great. I'm going to take you home. Doesn't believe a word of anything he says. But once she gets there, something is off. She feels something is keeping her there. Maybe it's the kid himself. She's starting to feel a connection with him Mm because he is her son. Uh, Maybe it's the weird feeling she's getting from the mayor, who Henry says is the evil queen. Or the local mafioso type, who he says is Rumpelstiltskin. She plans to stay a week. And then there's six seasons. So things go awry. Things go awry.
1: Yeah. Because as they will with Rumpelstiltskin.
0: They, they will. Because we as viewers know right away this is all true. We're seeing flashbacks to an enchanted forest with all these characters learning who they think they are in Storybrooke, learning why the curse took place, like what all happened while Emma is still denying any of this. Uh-huh. And over time, Emma does break this curse, which just opens up a whole new world of story and drama. So there is a ton here. And I love a good retelling. Yeah. We have talked about this. I love when authors take on Greek myths, when they take on fairy tales. I love this. And this is so many Disney and storybook characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, And stories retold in ways that are deeply fun and deeply satisfying. So like we get warrior princesses like Snow White, who occasionally is doing some dirty deeds. Yeah. We get the evil queen who is channeling like a goth David Bowie type look. It's amazing. There's Jiminy Cricket, who is a psychiatrist. Because he's the he conscious. Is. Well, obviously.
1: Yeah. What else is Jiminy Cricket going right. to do? We get characters that we
0: think are heroes who are actually villains. Like mm. Peter Pan turns out to be a nasty son of a bitch. And it's wonderful.
1: I saw that coming. Right? Let's be honest. Yeah.
0: And we also get a smoking hot Captain Hook, who I have sent you multiple pictures of. You have. You have. Because yes. he's a smoke show. And... <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> Which is not how he is in the movies. No, no. This is not like waxed mustache permed hair. This is black leather, black facial hair, black hair. Yeah. Chest hair. Yeah. There's a whole thing. There's a lot going on with Captain There's a lot going on.
1: Yes. Smoke
0: show. Smoke show is an
1: appropriate (laughs) word in this case.
0: Also, good to mention that all of these characters before this curse took ha- uh, this curse happened—they're all connected. Which this show comes from two writers from Lost, so that makes sense because on that show, everyone had weird connections yeah. and interesting correct- connections. Also, you'll find a few actors from Lost show up here, which is pretty great. Yeah. So I chose it for this theme. Because I think in a fairy tale world, good and evil are very simple, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Darkness is something that you just have to resist. And we get that here, but we also get this notion of good and evil taken to our world. Mm -hmm. Because what does good and evil mean here, especially to a woman like Emma, who thought she was an orphan, who was all alone, who turned into a thief and a convict and all sorts of things? And what does darkness really mean in terms of levels? Can you come back from darkness? Mm-hmm. And here we see some villains on a path of redemption, and we see some good guys who may be going down a dark path. Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of variations there that I really love. And I love that there's the notions of fairy tales, but made so much more complicated. And like I said, I've been in a weird mental space, and this has been the most comforting, wonderful thing.
1: I can and see I highly why. recommend it. Yeah, I can see why. And you get a smoke show. And you get a smoke show, which is apropos <laughs> for a Ring of Fire. We're bringing you a smoke show yeah. in the middle of the Ring of Fire. Yes. Deeply satisfying, as I Good. said. I like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Well, I if you're done, if you want, to, after you're done with the Once Upon a Time show, yeah. you can move on to a podcast. Oh, okay. Called Guru, the Dark Side of Enlightenment.
0: Oh, no. This is
1: a podcast that was produced by Wondery. Um, so it starts out, tragedy strikes... A ex- very um, exclusive retreat that was expensive to go on. Wait, is this fiction?
0: Nope. Oh, this is okay. This is,
1: yeah, this is in the true crime vein.
0: Oh boy. Yep.
1: Tragedy strikes this retreat, and literally no one is surprised because everybody's been saying, This guy's off his rocker, and no one's been listening. Oh God. James Arthur Ray was an Oprah endorsed self help guru who decided he was gonna take his business to the next level. He's gonna do these retreats, they're gonna be amazing, they're gonna have sweat lodges, they're gonna have all kinds of things, right?
0: Appropriation.
1: friends and former clients say, hey, wait up, some of these unorthodox means are actually super dangerous. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure what you're doing, but that's not gonna work. And he's like, no, this is the way to get enlightenment. And it goes way, way, way too far, as in people die. Okay, And so you're following his rise, people dying and what happens to him after and where he is today. And I can't tell you how bonkers this is. (laughs) You're going to hear clips of interviews with him. You're going to hear interviews from people who lost someone there. You're going to hear interviews from people who were there. So you can kind of get into the mentality of how people bought into this and what they were doing. You know, why they agreed to do some of these super unorthodox, crazy things like shave all their hair off. Yeah, it's... It is nuts. And it's also so fits everything we always talk about in terms of this enlightenment and needing someone to lead you to enlightenment. Yes. And pay a
0: shit ton of money for enlightenment. Yeah.
1: Right away. You know, Gwyneth Paltrow, eggs, goop, all that stuff jumps right to the forefront. Yeah. Someone like this who, you know, gets promoted by someone like Oprah all these people who feel like maybe they just aren't fulfilled, but they don't know exactly why, it preys on that. Mm -hmm. It preys on that idea. And because he got that little bit of power, he took that, ran with it, and burned it to the ground. Mm -hmm. Let me just say, he burned it to the ground. And there's some great stuff in the later episodes about – uh, how he got those means and whether he actually came up with the whole program himself.
0: I'm going to say some, no.
1: No, there's a lot of plagiarism. Okay.
0: Spoiler alert. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it is. It was fascinating. It was kind of culty.
0: It, yeah, it, it has, sounds like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. so it has
1: that a little bit where you're like, oh my gosh, how did you end up in a cult? But you hear from the people and I think that's always effective at kind Absolutely. of helping people understand like how easy it is to get caught up in that, especially mm-hmm. when you're talking about being happy and successful Absolutely. and not feeling that way, like that you are. So I, frankly, it was great. I binged it so fast. You can listen to all the episodes are out, so you can listen to it all, you know, right away. But it is, it's something.
0: You know, listening to Maintenance Phase, mm-hmm. you and I have been listening to that. There are a lot of people that Oprah has endorsed that are yes. shit shows. Yes. Sounds like this is one of them. Yes. But it's fascinating to take a look back and it seems like she fell prey just like us to a lot of people that are promising answers to things Mm -hmm. that are taking advantage of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair to her, his rise really came after he was on Oprah. So he really went, kind of took it to the next level of crazy after mm-hmm. that, like he was like, oh, I'm going to earn all kinds of money and get people because now they've heard about me, so now they'll they're willing to pay for my program. Mm. So I don't I don't know the timeline, you know, a hundred percent specifically, but I don't think that some of the things he was bringing to Oprah were the same things he was giving gotcha. in the retreat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But not to say because we all know she's endorsed, you know, wagon of fat. Yep. And, It's the bad, bad stuff. Yeah.
0: But I think it also speaks to our culture that so much, especially maybe in the last five, 10 years, feels out of our control, that we are desperate to find some sense of control. So we turn to people or to products like this because Mm -hmm. it gives us that illusion Mm -hmm. that we might have some control over our lives.
1: Mm -hmm. And as human, it's human nature. We all fall prey to the the fear of missing out. Like, oh, you understand something or getting something. So you go through something crazy and you're like, I didn't feel anything but sick. But everyone around you is acting like they felt something. What are you going to do? You're going to be like, oh, you're right. You're right. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I see that everything I've been doing is wrong.
0: It is interesting that as soon as we started talking about cults, Ziggy came to join us.
1: I know. And has really given me a lot of eye contact. Yep. I'm not Ziggy joining is, your cult, Ziggy. Ziggy is
0: sitting on my lap and letting me pet him, demanding I, that I pet him and looking at you.
1: Outside observer looking in, I think that Ziggy is has some insecurity and is feeling worried about the cats that live outside your house. <laughs> I think that he sees that you yeah. have an open heart and he's yeah. like, she feeds them. And I am deathly worried that...
0: He's like this whole, like, open heart thing that yeah. allowed me to move inside. Mm-hmm. This could backfire. This backfire is a double-edged sword that I did not
1: anticipate. Mm-hmm. I could end up with more roommates and I don't like it because <laughs> I run this place. That's what you think, right? You run it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. It is interesting because uh, most Sundays he's been uh, running away from you. But today he's no. like, nope, I got to make my presents. Right, mm-hmm. buddy?
1: Yeah, I, my, he must think I'm a bad influence. Like I'm going to convince oh, you to bring oh, the cats. Oh, yeah.
0: he's like, don't.
1: I need to keep my eye on her.
0: <laughs> he's like, no more street cats. She's going to say no it's okay. more.
1: I'm not going to say it's okay. Yeah, I can't say either way. I I can't make that decision.
0: It also is appropriate that uh, we're talking about darkness and Ring of Fire's because of all the of all the podcasts, I think he has the darkest heart.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. I think mm-hmm. he has the most potential for Breaking Bad. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: He's already exercised quite a bit of crime by yeah. tearing apart the bottoms of my furniture, and now going for the sides and the back.
1: I actually think the three podcasts sort of illustrate all the different phases we're talking about. You oh, have okay. Elma, who's like, doesn't occur to her. No, like I'm not going to break bad. No. And you have Louise, who I think situationally, oh for sure, could lose it. Yes. Like if you pushed her too far, she'd be like, and we're done. Yep. I agree. And Ziggy, you just straight have that sort of attitude. Yeah.
0: I don't think he has a moral compass. No. Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. And that's okay. That's why we love him. Yeah. That's why I love him. I included you in that. I shouldn't. No, I I do. Yeah. Make you admit to feelings you don't have.
1: (laughs) No. (laughs) He's like, this is what I'm saying. She has too much power and she doesn't live here. I don't like it.
0: We've graduated to a thunderstorm, which is appropriate for
1: Ring of Fire. Ring of Fire. We're going to put out the Ring of Fire, which is great because we're at the end. We are at the end. So we don't have to worry about, you know, this episode getting ruined by nature.
0: No, we just have to worry about it getting ruined by a lack of being able to wrap it up.
1: Right. Because we're we're in a sweat lodge of our own making. (laughs) (laughs) We never land the plane. Never land the plane.
0: But guess what? We'll be back in two weeks. We will. With episode 102. 102. It'll be another doozy. We probably will have trouble landing the plane again. Always will. That's why you love us. That's right. In the meantime. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night. Another dream all nine episodes are available January tenth. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.